to the Roma Press Podcast with John Solano. All right, we are back. The vaunted international break is over. Welcome back, everyone, to the Roma Press Podcast. I'm Roma Press Editor John Solano. So, as per usual, I will refrain from complaining and bitching about international football. I will refrain from going on a rant as to how much I couldn't care less about the Atsuri, how I have never felt more disconnected uh, to the international team of my country, how uh, Roberto Mancini is a nothing manager, how the talent pool currently at the disposal of the Italian national team makes me want to vomit. I'm not going to do that. I am refraining from any complaining about international football or the Etsuri. Um A lot of storylines we can get to for Roma, so I'm not going to waste my breath on the Italian national team. So, a lot to get to. Obviously, we have Roma returning this weekend as they start one of the most difficult, most oh, most terrifying stretches of their season to date. And you could argue that out of their entire season, this may be the defining stretch here. I would absolutely agree with you if you were to say that. So a lot has happened uh, since the last, last episode. It's been roughly about a week. Um, but first, before we get into anything, have to thank our wonderful patrons at Patreon. If you would like to support the Roma Press podcast and the website, please go to patreon.com slash romapress or go to the support page on romapress.us. Um, if you sign up to become a patron, you can receive early access to the podcast. You can receive extra episodes of the podcast on a weekly basis. Um, and you will also be helping us out in a major, major way. And a big thank you again to all of our current patrons. Um, without your support, this is not possible at all. So uh, it means a lot to us, and I thank you so much. So a lot of subjects we can get to. We can. Um, I'll bring Andy on in just a moment here. Um, obviously, we have the upcoming match against Spal. We have the upcoming Champions League clash uh, with Seska Moscow um, in Rome. We also have some other storylines, which I found were interesting. I would love, just very, very briefly, I promise not to take long on this, but I would love to talk about Antonio Cassano, who announced his retirement from football. One of my most beloved players to ever dawn the Roma shirt and I you know he's just one of those what if players and we will get into him a little bit more uh we had Rudy Garcia coming out and taking taking shots I guess we could say um they weren't that um what's the word I'm looking for his words weren't too um scandalous I guess we could say but they're worth mentioning um, because uh, the Frenchman who is now at Marseille as their manager, he did um, he was critical of uh, James Palotta. He was critical of Roma, how they went about sacking him and hiring Luciano Spalletti, which you know everyone can have their opinion on that. And in fact, I believe Palotta responded today to that, so we can get into that as well. So let's not waste any more time. Um, Andy, let's start with Cassano. 
your opinion. Um, I just mentioned one of my most favorite players of all time. However, he was a basket case. His talent was undisputed, though. However, there were just so many instances where that talent never shined through. So just your general opinion on Antonio Cassano. Um, great, great player at the beginning of his career. Uh, like Toddy said, one of the best duos around, the two of them together. Um, just a hothead and uh, poor decision-making, uh, which led him to have uh, an overall very mediocre career. Yeah, I. everyone watches the YouTube highlights between him and Totti, and for me, he's just one of those guys, and there's so many like them. One that comes to mind especially is like Balotelli, who you just wonder what could have been had they lived up to their potential and worked hard. It's just, it always seems to happen to those guys who sort of lack that professionalism. Yes, and also, most importantly, um, it, just poor decision-making by making move to Madrid. It was way too soon, and it seems, I'm not, it looks kind of, it's, it's, like it, it's that sort of decision that, for example, led Malcolm to Barcelona, you know, to make that leap too soon. And that's yeah. what Cassano did when he joined Madrid because Totti said multiple times that Cassano should have stayed at least one more year at Roma. And he should. He should have. Um, because the two of them together were so brilliant and Totti was just developing him through simple playmaking, and I think Cassano would have benefited greatly from uh, uh, one more year or two years of Roma. So do I. And let's talk about just someone you brought up very quickly. I've talked probably too much about him. Um, Malcolm, this whole thing to me is just weird. I, I Again, this is something that I've never encountered before. I've been doing this a long time. I've I've seen a lot of players move. I've spoken to a lot of agents. Um, it really seems like, you know, a lot of people want to hit out at Malcolm. And listen, he's, what age is he? He's 21, 22, I believe. Mm -hmm. Still young, obviously. Clearly, this was a mistake he made, but I think the biggest um, blame for his entire situation goes to his agents. And the weird thing with him is he has four or five guys who he allowed to represent him during these talks. And you had a guy, you you had one of his agents who was in Spain. The other guy who I interviewed a million times, Fernando Garcia, was the one who was speaking with Monchi the entire time. Honestly, it just seems like he was very poorly let down by his agents who are supposed to have his best interests at heart. I mean, 25 minutes is crazy of playing time. Crazy. Yeah, despite despite injuries, it's still it just uh it just shows that he is not part of the project right now at Barcelona, but um that yes, the issue here is that I also I, I think he's being unfairly targeted by uh, many fans because uh, I think people have this 
twist of how it all works. They think that he is the one, you know, accepting and signing and everything. But right, he's right. just a young guy listening to people who have more experience than him, uh, listening to their advice, listening to the business side of it. And um, I just, I, I think this is a very similar case. If you take, for example, uh, into consideration, Under. Under was a star in the in Turkey. He was um, yes. um, one of the very best players. He, he helped his side. I think uh, just he, his side came from like the the, the B League, the, the the B League, the Turkish B League, and they ended up second. I think um, yes, so, in a Champions League place. Was, it, yeah, exactly. And it was it was mainly thanks to uh, Cengiz. Cengiz uh, had a brilliant season. And and he had offers on the table from, uh, if if I'm not mistaken, Manchester City, Tottenham, yes. and Roma. And he made the wise decision of going to Roma because we all know he's not going to stay here a long time. He's not going to be one of those players that will play, I don't know, one of those foreign players like, say, uh, uh, Aldair or Tadej, you know, those players that fall in love with the colors. No, he, he's going to move on at some point in time, perhaps even next summer. But the, the transition to Roma is much more uh, palpable and possible, and it's easier for a player uh, like Cengiz or even like Malcolm who comes from uh, Ligue 1, which is still a weaker league compared to Serie A. Roma just seems like a nice transition place for these young players. So I think that was the biggest mistake. And Malcolm should have uh, should have followed in, in Cengiz's footsteps. Just be realistic with your options and um, you know, aim for something that is possible and then maybe in the future move on to these bigger pastures. Yeah, very, again, I, as you mentioned, a lot of people think that it's the player himself who is doing a lot of this. And yes, players do have a say, obviously, but you have to wonder, he was just so poorly advised and he's certainly paying the price now. And the funny part is, I, I mean, Under hasn't had, I mean, the brightest of starts to this season. I, I believe he only has one or two goals. Um, it's just funny because, I mean, prospectively, he could be a first-choice player at Roma right now. Oh, definitely. I think, I mean, I, I think... I think the Under would have been a, 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 almost a bench player if if Malcolm had come here, um, because he is the spark. He's that kind of. Uh, pl- I think he's more consistent than Under. Malcolm showed much more consistency in Liga, and he was basically the go-to man in his team. Um, and you know, Under, we talked about it. Under is the kind of player that can have a few bad games, but once he sees the ball go into the net, he becomes this new, completely uh, very special player. And so I obviously, you know, you're going to have more chances to have a starting uh, spot when your opposition is Under or, you know, at the worst of uh, scenarios, uh, um, El Sharawi. And the the other thing is to have Messi, Dembele, um, 
Denis Suarez, who's not getting any playing time. Uh, right. You know, it's it's just a diff a whole different ball game, and Roma is a perfect stage for these sort of players. And I think that's what Monchi um, and uh, you know in in the future Calcio Mercato will also aim for of players players that want to make the big step but in order to do that they need to have a little go um in a place like Rome yeah I think so too um before we get into because obviously we have Spal coming up we have Seska Moscow next uh in the Champions League wanted to discuss very briefly Diego Pedotti was diagnosed today out um about three weeks it's another calf injury for him and you have to wonder at least i wondered and i saw other people questioning this do you think this maybe spells the end for him especially considering el shadawi has been okay up to this point and cliver has shown flashes of brilliance and certainly just in terms of ability certainly seems to have just massive amounts of it do you I think, think this might be the end for penalty? Or better question, would you I want it to be the end for penalty? I I think I think uh this this will be Perotti's and Karsdorp's last year at Roma. I think both of them are on their way out considering the the injury history and the the competition. Uh because Perotti is 30 years old. Uh, you know, yesterday his mental coach, people, because people don't fo- maybe don't follow, but yesterday his mental coach spoke to a local radio. Um, yeah, he was on Red the Sport, and it was a great, it was actually a really interesting interview, very, I, yeah, I have to it say. Was very, it was very interesting uh, because you get to know what, what these guys think. And, you know, aside from a very interesting point, which I, uh, which was about, uh, how players perceive Roma, and because this mental coach was the mental coach of Burdiso as well during his time in Rome, yes. and he says that you know these players, they they realize that in a place like Rome, uh, you 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 get second place and you're considered a hero. So you get 87 points and you're still second and you're still behind Juve by a lot of points uh, and you're considered a hero, uh, a legend in the city. Um, But getting back to your point, the mental coach basically said that Perotti suffered greatly due to his absence uh, in the the World Cup, which it's not a good thing to hear from a mental coach about one right. of his players because it's for a player of Perotti's age, especially position winger. We know that wingers are in their prime, you know, around around El Shrawi's age when they're like 24, 25, 26. That's um, Perotti is past that, and he's he's been saying it so many times that, you know, he wants to go back to Boca and wants to play in Argentine. Right. I was just going to say that he's made no secret that he will not finish at Roma. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I'm glad, I'm glad it's not going to happen because I, um, you know, you cannot, I think 2.8 million or something like that. Yeah. He had 
his contract renewed last year and you cannot pay that much for a player that has one game and then is back to uh, the injury room. Um, and also he played in what against Bologna and that was our worst game. I just don't think I'd, the competition is too big for him right now. He, he's not going to get his starting spot back from El Sharawi or Clivert. Uh, same goes for Karsdorp uh, with Florenzi and, and Santon settling in. He's on his way out. And to be honest, I'm glad because I, I think um, he's, he's, he comes from the, uh, the, the breed of players that we ne- need to get rid of, meaning these players that have no drive because he has no drive from the, his mental coach's uh, interview. It, it comes off that you know Perotti has no drive going forward, that the World Cup was his goal. Uh, he missed it, and this is it. Yeah, and not, I mean, straying away from Perotti, um, the, this guy, Daniele Paparizio, I don't know if you saw it too, what he said about Di Francesco. No, what did he say? Um, he said something to, you, to the effect of Di Francesco is not a top manager, which I don't know how he's gathering that, but I just thought it was interesting. Okay. Um, but yeah, anyway, I, I, I think Pedalti, the, the best thing for him is to move on because, I mean, even if he does return, are you really going to play him over El Shadawi and Cliver? I, I mean, I don't know how you can. Well, the idea was to, for him to start against Spal, which I right. thought was crazy because coming off an injury and playing at such crucial time, starting minutes, uh, I thought that would that would have been a huge mistake by Di Francesco. Um, I don't know. Do you see Karlsdorp going out? I think so. I, I mean, I don't. I, I would say no, but. Um... Davide Santon has been so good. Uh, even if Carsdorp even if uh, sort of resolves the problems that he has with Di Francesco, I mean, where is he going to play? Unless, of course, Santon moves more to the left as opposed to the right, and then maybe Carsdorp can fill in for Florenzi. But I don't know why you would do that if he's playing so well on the right. Exactly. And Pellegrini exactly. has shown to be capable of filling in for Colorado at, at moments. So I, I, I mean, the, the problem is obviously the fee. I mean, bonuses included, um, we're almost looking at almost 19 million of euros. Um, that's very expensive. And it's not like his wages are, are, are little either. So I don't, I, I don't know what they do with him. I mean, you're you're clearly not going to sell him because you're not going to get anywhere near what you paid for him. Um, now he's he's represented by the same agency that uh, manages Strootman, so potentially you know they've already worked uh, with Roma in finding a solution for one of their players. Maybe they can find another one for Karsdorp, but I just. I, to to me, I, I always liken situations like this to a torbe. Like you're never going to get anywhere near the fee that you paid for the player. The only way to recoup money is to just loan him out, loan, loan, loan. Um, you know these these pay loans, and that's the only way to make up for it. Because, I mean, even just from a a supporter standpoint, 
are you really going to put him ahead of Santon right now? I mean, he's playing the best football in his last five years, maybe. Um, I was. I also was thinking. First of all, I, um, getting our money back. I'm sure we're not gonna get all of it back. But I remember what Monchi did with the, the sale of Moreno. You know, the guy didn't play any. Uh, like what well, he played, maybe one game with us, and we still made a, a tiny plus Valencia. Right. Uh, so in that in that department, I wouldn't doubt uh, Monchi. But on the other hand, this. This reminds me so much of uh, the situation Emerson was in last year. Yes. Um, if you folks remember, he was he he had the same he he had this ruptured his crucial ligament um, his ACL uh, on the last day of the season, and he had a brilliant season, same as Karsdorp in the Netherlands, and then this injury happened, and first of all, he could not get back from this injury uh, and still struggles right now at Chelsea with playing time because he still has some uh, just post, just some effects from it, from that injury. And still every two, three weeks, he has a minor injury. and Karlsdorf has had the same because both of them, I remember Emerson, we waited for him and Kolarov was out of it, playing out of his mind. Same as right. Santon right now. Kolarov was the man of every match uh, during that stretch. And at a certain point, people were asking themselves, you know, what about Emerson? Is he going to come back? And he never did. And we sold him, uh, which I'm still against that sale. But it, it seemed like he he would never come back and be the same player as he was before. And he he didn't seem to have the best of relationships with Di Francesco, who I don't think ever put enough confidence or trust in him. And the same thing is happening with Karsdorp. The the guy cannot catch a break with injuries and is not trusted by the coach. So it just leads me to believe that, you know, maybe we could even see a, a possible sale in January. Yeah, I mean... It's pointless to just keep him here because he's um, net. He earns 1.5 million euros, and for a club like Roma, that's a lot for a player who is not playing. I mean, I mean, he makes more than Olsen, just to give you a, a just to give yeah. everyone sort of a, a bench line. I mean, he makes more than Cristante, Chorich, uh, Santon, Under. Olsen, Under. Uh, Mirante, Bianda, uh, Luca Pellegrini, Zaniolo, and Fusato. So, I mean, he's earning decent wages. So I, I, I think it makes all the sense of the world for him to move on. Um, you know, January is slowly approaching, and I, I just cannot get a read on or, or get any signals as to what Roma may do in January. Maybe we have to go through this stretch here where we'll know, obviously, if they qualify for the knockout stages because clearly I think that will affect what they do or do not do in January. If they qualify, certainly it makes all the sense in the world to try and bring in a reinforcement. But, I mean, people forget they still have money still available to them because they did sell Stroutman. They didn't really buy anybody after that. Um, Now, obviously, Nzonzi came in, but... um, I, you know, I, I I think they have to do something because clearly we've seen 
where they're short in terms of numbers and quality, um, I would think almost undoubtedly a midfielder is brought in to rotate within Zonzi and Dedalsi. But I just, I mean, usually this is a time when you see the rumors and we keep saying the same name. It's Herrera of Porto. And really, that's it. Um, I mean, there's nothing really else that I see or, I mean, I know. Uh, I mean, generally, I, I talk about all the agents that I interview on here, but there isn't shit happening. I, I, yeah, it's quiet. It's, it's, quiet. It's, it's oddly quiet, and it's funny because Monchi, I mean, his mouth is wide open. He talks way more than Sabatini ever did, and he makes no secret as to who he's pursuing. So for us to not really have an idea as to which way he's looking is interesting. Um, but to get you know away from off-the-pitch stuff towards the, the matches now. So Spa is coming up, and then three days later, it's Seska Moscow. How would you handle... Oh, and then after... I mean, it's, you definitely have to note this. And then after Seska Moscow, it's away to Napoli. So, I mean, three huge matches. And if you want to go beyond that, it's... Five days after Napoli, it's at Fiorentina. So I guess we could say four huge matches in a row. Um, are you at all worried that lack of depth may come to haunt them now? Because no, no. So you're not worried about Spal at all? Because I have to tell you, they I picked them to be relegated this season, and they have looked so good. I, I I've been shocked. I, I'm no. I'm not saying I'm not worried about Spa. I'm not worried about the depth. I think we have enough depth, and um, I don't think this is the team's problem. The depth. I never considered this season. I was one of the few people who believed that this team got what they needed. Um, um, uh, I'm. I'm not worried about these games. I know I'm not. Uh, I'm, I'm, I don't believe we'll get full points. No way in hell. Um, but uh, I believe this team, if they put their mind to it, they can get some results during this stretch, even during this tough stretch. Um, Zonzi is a guy, as we said so many times before in the podcast, you don't have to rotate him. He can no. handle the minutes. Right. right. Um, he he. Th- that's why the only player I'm really about is De Rossi, um, because aside, De Rossi and Kolarov, obviously, um, because both of them, you know, are quite quite old and they both suffered uh, injuries, and so yeah, and those two worry me. But uh, I'm I'm pretty sure that Roma even if. In, not in full strength can handle a team like Spal if they're put they, if they put their mind into it if um, if you let a guy like Clivert play instead of El Sharawi against Spal I'm not saying against Seska because I think uh, El Sharawi will play the starting uh, role in against Seska in the Champions League but putting a, a hungry Clivert after the run he's had with the national under 21 team where he scored four, four goals in four matches and assisted one, that would make sense. And I think if you put a guy like uh, Cristante next to Nzonzi and you give him confidence to perform again in that unusual role, it's... I don't think... People were very mad at the Mercato and I get them, but... 
the the reason Roma have been playing so poorly uh, this this past month uh, it's not because of depth it's just because the players had, weren't focused and the coach didn't have any any sort of connection with the players it seems so i'm pretty confident that Roma are capable of of handling this business i i hope so i mean Spal have lost their last four matches. They looked good against Inter. I don't think they should have lost that. They lost to Sampdoria. They lost to Sassuolo, and they got pumped by Fiorentina three to zero. So they should win. I do have to say though, I, I of the players that you mentioned, you 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 know you said you weren't worried about depth. Um, the thing that worries me is is Jekyll going to play ninety minutes in all of these because. The way they've looked this season, he he almost has to. Um, yeah. I, I mean, part of me thinks maybe start Chic against Spal because he scored uh, over the international break, and he seems to be like one of those players. We saw it at the end of last season where he scores and his confidence is just at such a higher level, and he looks so much more assured of himself. <laughs> So when I saw that he scored, uh, part of me thought, well, gosh, now is the time to... But did you see what what goal that was? That was the goal of a a hungry, dominant striker. He just went for that ball. I mean, it it was Skriniar marking him, and he made him look like a child. Just completely went for him. Beautiful header. That was... It just... that, you took the words a, right out of my mouth. He, yeah. His attitude on that pitch is so much more different than anything we've seen in such a long time at Roma. Yeah, yeah that, was, that goal is not, you know, it wasn't a tap-in. It wasn't a lucky goal. It was a goal because he wanted that goal. And uh, it's it, he looked like a completely different player. Now, I would put him against Spal, not because I think he, you know, because he scored, he he can do it again. I just think that the the team plays much better with him, uh, with the three young guys in front, uh, against the smaller teams that sit back. They seem to know how to open up these small teams. Um, I think that's also why uh, we struggled against Empoli because yes. we didn't have we didn't have Clivert, we didn't have Schick who would open up this uh, Andrea Zoli team that just sat back and um, took everything we had in that first half. And the same thing goes for Spal. I think Spal are going to sit back first and if Roma get tired, they're going to attack. But Roma need to open them up, and that's why you put Schick on. I would love to see Cliver, Schick, and Under. I would love to see that. Um, and I agree. Obviously, Jekyll is a better player, but Schick offers so much more in the buildup, and he pulls the defense out with Jekyll in there. I mean, they can just sit back. Um, so, yeah, I, I would start Schick against Spal, although I, I don't expect it at all. Now, with with the Champions League just after that, are you at all worried that they will overlook Spal like they have so many times before with these small teams? Because the problem is now is they dug themselves such a problematic hole in the early stages of the season. They can't afford to do that anymore. They can't afford to overlook anybody. But that's, yeah. Um, one... <laughs> 
one side of me thinks, you know, this is the same old Roma, but at the same time, I believe that this team can can stay focused. I believe that this team can uh, keep its mind on the on the objective. And that's why I also expect experienced players, uh, players like Fazio or Manolas or even Dzeko, to perform against all odds, no matter what. Um, these are the players that are supposed to, you know, pull the team forward. Uh, lately, it's been this, uh, it's been Santon. Santon has been playing great because he looks like a player that believes uh, he can get this team out of the slump. You know, he he yes. looks so. He played with a free mind, and that's uh, that's what happens when a player believes he can change something. And what we were getting from Roma in the first opening weeks was every single player looked like, you know, the, you know anything would could happen, and they would still not react. And right now, some players are are reacting players like under players like cliver players like santon players that want to prove something so i think if you if you put these players against the team like spal you can get a, a good nice result uh, because again it's not it's easy to get pumped up for a champions league game it's more difficult to get pumped up against spal but that's the way it is. If you put Cliverton, who's clearly, I mean, we've, we've read interviews with him. He cannot wait to get a, a regular starting spot on this team. Just put him in and see what happens. Yeah, especially considering I would definitely play two of, uh, two of Cliver, Schick, and Under because for the Champions League match, uh, at least one of them is going to be in the stands. Maybe two. I, I don't know. I mean... Pedalti being unavailable certainly likely means one of them comes back into the fold, but at least one of them is going to be in the stand. So I think it makes all the sense in the world to try um, and give that attacking trio a chance. I, I mean, especially for some of these smaller games, because I think that the bulk of the blame for these overlooked matches goes to some of the old, goes to some of the uh, the veterans, the older players. Um, they're the ones I think who don't really get excited for these smaller matches. Whereas Clivert, as you mentioned, who has he said it the last two international breaks in three or four different interviews that he wants to start. He thinks he deserves to start. I don't know how you can hold him back. I would definitely throw him out there. Yeah, and it's uh, the the best thing about those interviews is that he's not saying it because he's spoiled and he feels yes. that you know it. He said he's he would be delighted to start because he wants to prove something, and he's not begging you to start him. He's he just says you just put me on and I'll show you what I can do, and we saw we saw that against the uh, Pilsen. Obviously, it was a very easy opponent. But still, it just this team was so full of life, and you um, just against these smaller teams when when Jeko is because let's say against Empoli, Jeko was in my opinion was having a poor game. I thought yes. that um, he he was again he was getting very annoyed with El Sharawi. El Sharawi was not uh, just not communicating with him properly. And 
uh, you know, players like Fazio weren't very focused. Um, you just, in the smaller games, you want to have players that believe they can get a result. So Di Francesco, you know, should have some trust and confidence, put the youngsters in and move on to the Champions League. And then you can, you know, field El Sharawi. I understand that you want maturity, you want, you know, defensive attention, you, you want players tracking back, which is reasonable. But it's also reasonable to let a guy like Jeko rest, considering he's played uh, a lot during the international break. And you just want him ready to go in a big, big game. Yeah, I'll be curious to see what Di Francesco does. Um, we didn't touch on this, um, but I wanted to get—I wanted to get your opinion. Um, I was hoping he'd respond to me by now, but he didn't. Um, he did talk to our friend Sandro Ostini, but uh, Palotta resp- responded to. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, he responded to. The interview of uh, Nangolan today, and for those of you who didn't read it, um, the the bulk of what we're referring to is on the website. So Nangolan, more or less, I'm you know just summarizing here, but uh, he more or less said that um, Palotta is not in in Rome enough. Um, he you know. He said they sell too many players year over year, and he didn't like how the club went about selling him. So, whatever. I, I mean, we can get past the personal qualms that he has with the club. But for the whole Palotta thing, I've I've mentioned this before. Everyone has a different opinion on the guy. Some people hate him, especially from the sense I get, at least. And especially when I'm at matches, it seems to be more of the very... Um, more local people who do not, who don't seem to like him more of the the old school i guess you could say um and there's others who really like him um me i listen i i think people underestimate what he's done for the club they would be bankrupt without him and i think the the lack of appreciation he gets is sometimes annoying but i do understand why people don't like him at times because i've said this numerous occasions i think he talks far too much out of his ass um, he doesn't speak Italian, which is a problem, especially for me. Um, he, he gets mad at the media for misconstruing his words. Well, learn Italian. Um, but anyway, do you think it's a problem that he's not there all the time? Or do you, do you agree with him that it's not that big of a deal and sometimes you can get a better perspective on things when you're not there full time? Um, no, I don't think it's a big deal. I, first of all, I thought Roger's interview was embarrassing. Oh, uh, absolutely embarrassing. embarrassing. On so many levels, it was embarrassing. It was disrespectful. Um, you you don't do that. You don't say those things. I understand you're mad. I understand you feel betrayed. It's But it's business. You are making a lot of money. You're still making a lot of money. You're making more money right now. Uh, so move on. Uh, as to Palotta, I also understand why many people hate him, especially the locals, because again, they say, you know, because Roma has had a history of local presidents, you know, you have, yes, you have right, the, the exactly. sensi owners who were these mythological uh, heroes. They were just these, these giants in the city of Rome and the whole family. And they would be seen at games. They would make speeches. They won the school. The main thing, the main problem with Palotta 
is that under him, Roma hasn't won anything. This is the bottom line. It's people want to make it about, you know, selling your best players. It's not that because while when you sell your best players, you replace them with with good players that become great. Um, so it's not the problem. The problem is that Roma haven't won anything under uh, Palotta. But I don't think that Palotta is the is Roma's problem, uh, and I also don't think that his absence is, in Rome is a problem. Uh, on one hand, I think his biggest mistake, as you said, is that he talks a lot and then he plays the victim card. You know, like when it, when uh, the supposedly a, a news, uh, I think it was a Neapolitan newspaper posted his words in a pizzeria <laughs> yeah. where he basically... About, you know, about Alisson and Nangolan. Yeah. And... <laughs> about Alisson and Nangolan. And, yeah. you know, and he said, oh, I would yeah. never say that, you know, that never happened. And then eventually they were sold. And uh, again, it was, it's an embarrassing situation. Right, right. And that's his biggest <laughs> yeah. flaw because he's just so, <laughs> so detached from reality. But I don't think that's Roma's problem. He, um, with him, we've had decent results. It's just that we cannot get the job done because of technical issues. Because one year, we didn't have enough players due to injury um, with Spalletti. Uh, so many players were out due to injury. Some years, we didn't get it done because of poor coaching and just these stupid decisions with Garcia. Uh, some years we wouldn't get it done because we would just not get it done. Like Roma getting completely dismantled by Lazio in the Coppa Italia um, with Spalletti, um, where in two games we couldn't get a decent result against them, and eventually we're, we um, we uh, were eliminated from the Coppa Italia, and Lazio won, went uh, into the final against Juve. So no, his absence in Rome is not an issue, for, at least for me. Uh, I can I cannot imagine why would that be Roma's problem. Roma's problem is that they cannot seem to get get anything done in the trophy department. But yes, Palotta is not the one playing. Palotta is the one paying, and he is paying. Um, people think he's making so much money because he sold Strotman. So you know all that money that he made off Strotman, it's going right into his pocket. No, it's not. It's it's not. It doesn't work that way. And. He replaces these these players uh, with players that at the beginning you're skeptical, and then you you know when they go you consider them legends, which I'm sure is what will happen with Under. So many people were saying, ah, who's this Turkish kid? You know, Jesus, right. what is what are we doing? We we sell Momo Salah and we replace him with Under, and now what I'm hearing now I'm hearing that if we sell Under to say Bayern for sixty million, ah. Uh, this this management is terrible. Palota, what are you doing? It, it doesn't work that way. Yeah, it, it's funny. Um, the ones who criticize the market are the ones who to first whine and complain about those players when they're sold. So it, it's an interesting dynamic. Um, you know, I, I've always said and I've always maintained on Twitter that these these little trophies like the Coppa Italia or the Supercoppa are just nothing trophies but now i'm getting to the point where part of me is like yeah it's it's a little nothing trophy but they've won nothing in a decade now to where i'll take a little nothing trophy like that um maybe it's because i see fans in england going crazy over the things like the fa cup and part of me is like well that's a nothing 
you know what we get excited over that but i, I don't know i i mean they have to I win something I don't soon think, I, I don't think that for example winning i still it's it's funny because the the night we won against barcelona and palota was there and the people uh, just danced around him and he jumped into the fountain and everybody was just, oh, Palota, we love you, you know. Yeah. And then a week later, when or two weeks later, when we lost against Liverpool, it was back to, oh, Palota, you pig. And <laughs> I think this city is just this way. I think, for example, if we'd won uh, Coppa Italia, I think people would be going crazy for the first week or two, and then they would go back to their old hating habits. It's, yes. it's a no-win situation because in uh, Rome, I'm not saying Roma fans, I'm saying around Roma, there is a lot of... Uh, a lot of false quotes, a lot of misinterpretations, a lot of just pure fantasies that get treated as real facts. Um, and so the city and the supporters believe in a lot of things. And then it turns out it's not true and they feel betrayed. And what do they do? They insult the people that uh, handle Roma. And uh, people need to consider where Roma uh, where uh, before Palotta, in what situation we were in, what kind of players we were buying. Because now it, it's a shame and it's terrible if we buy a Turkish player like Under, but they didn't, they didn't realize what kind of players we are replacing our best players uh, 11 years ago. I mean, if you look at some of the names, you, you, you feel sick. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh... You know, free transfers from Juve, um, Baruso, uh, Antunes. I mean, we could go name. I, I mean, if we just go year by year, um, especially like, you know, relatively new fans who, you know, maybe all that they know of Roma is selling a Salah, selling a Strootman. You know, if you weren't there for those just I, oh my god i you know it feels like yesterday the the early 2000s after the scudetto i mean they were so, obviously the years following they were relatively good but four or five six years after with spalletti i mean they had no money whatsoever and they're buying i mean just nothing players absolutely nothing uh marco malta um I mean, we could just go on and on. Simone Loria. Loria. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, I, I just think people quickly forget. Um, I mean, Julio Baptista, that fucking guy. Um, it's just, I think people overlook how far that they've come because I, I think... And, and you know, this is none of their fault, but I, I do think a lot of it has to do with sort of Juve fatigue. They're sick of seeing the same club win year after year. They're sick of seeing other clubs like Napoli maybe get close um, and not win anything, but they get close. But I just think what Roma have is so much more sustainable. I mean, guys, Napoli, you give them another year or two, and they're going to have big problems because none of, none of their players earn big wages. And these young guys, I, I mean, they're going to get offers that Napoli just can't match. It's going to happen. So, yeah. I, 
I, I think people are getting hung up on this 10-year stretch as the only reality. It's, it's like Roma exists oh, only yeah. these 10 years. No, Roma go way back. Uh, I remember when Roma had to depend on uh, an Aquilani that was more injury-prone than Perotti as their star player. Um, right. This, you know, it's... It's a whole different ball game. There is a lot of money uh, in this discussion. It's not so easy to point fingers. I understand there is a lot of a lot of frustration uh, seeing, for example, Lazio win the Supercoppa uh, or even raise the Coppa Italia uh, when we played against them in 2013. Yeah, and no one's dismissing that. They should clearly have, at worst, yeah. a Coppa Italia or two by now, That without exactly. question. Sure, and exactly. I mean, did, was Palotta playing against Lazio in that final? Was was he making those stupid changes that hold awful formation? No, it was it was the coach, was the players. It, it just, yeah. I mean, point fingers in multiple directions, not one. Yeah, it, it's there's a. This is an interesting dynamic. There's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of people you can blame. And I, I just, I think people need to take a step back sometime. Yeah, I mean, nobody is happy with the current situation. But even before Palota, I mean, Roma went two decades without a Scudetto. So it's not like uh, this is Milan where they're going through a stretch of five to seven years without winning anything big. I mean, we're, it's been 17 years since the last Scudetto. Before that, it was nearly 20 years. So I think everyone needs to just take everything into context and look at the bigger picture. It's it's frustrating. I hate it. You hate it. Everybody hates it. But, I mean, frankly, is it much different than what we were used to before? Because if you look over the long stretch, it's it's nothing at all different. I mean, if anything, it stayed the same. Yeah, and if you if you're really so mad at this management, if you are really unhappy with the results, then don't cheer when Roma finish second or go into the semifinal, and then keep saying, "Ah, oh, but we we played the semifinal." Because if you're going to say that, and then you're going to criticize the management and say Roma haven't won anything, then you you just decide something because Roma are not a winning team; they've never been one. Um, you know, it's also for, I mean, Milan in this rough stretch, they still won trophies. They still lifted the Supercoppa. Uh, so Roma are a different reality. And like like uh, like this mental coach of Burdisso and Perotti said, I mean, here you get second place or you, you, you play an unbelievable game and you're hailed a hero. And then after a week or two, everything's for, forgotten and everybody is terrible. The management is terrible. All the players suck. The coach sucks. It's it's a weird city, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> it is. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, you know it better than I do. I mean, you live there. I, yeah, I only well, visit. I, I'm, I'm from up north where it's just Juve, 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 Juve. So it's, I mean... <laughs> It's a diff- it's a different reality, and you know even even a city like Naples, I, I follow some Napoli fans, and 
right now they're very proud and they have a good team they've won they've won trophies but it's also a city that hasn't won much in their history and we're in similar situations and we are doing our best to compete with a team like Juve, with teams like Milan and Inter, who, despite not getting the results, have invested a lot of money. People forget that. They say uh, Palota sells and then, you know, invest so much money on shitty players. Yeah, but look what Milan and Inter did with just gold mines. Uh, they've spent it on 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 Joao Mario, on Gabigol. Uh, you know, just... Let's understand that Roma are this way. Move forward. Let's hope for the best. Yeah, that's a, that's a great way to end it. So let's let's end it there. We'll talk to everybody again after the match against Spal, and then uh, we will put our Champions League hats on and get ready for the match against Seska. So let's leave it there. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody, and until next time, ciao. Today's edition of the Roma Press Podcast was sponsored by Euro Fantasy League. If you play online fantasy football, absolutely make sure that you give a look at fantasycitya.com or go to cityya-fantasy.com and also make sure that you check out their Champions League game at fantasy-champions-league. Dot com again that's fantasy dash champions dash league dot com a big thank you to euro fantasy league and our great friends over there you can also read the various articles that they have on their website i appear on there david amoyel appears on there our good friend uh chloe beresford appears on there as well uh she's a great writer um huge fiorentina supporter as well um, she puts out fantastic work there almost daily. So again, Euro Fantasy League and Cydia-Fantasy.com or FantasyCidia.com.